0: Welcome to Real Life Mentoring, where we explore
1: real-life issues to help you make an authentic difference in the world. Hi, everyone. This is Chris with Real Life Mentoring, and uh, today we have a special guest, Dr. Michael K. Turner, out of the state of Washington, and um, it's my privilege to be able to introduce him in a moment. But Dr. Turner develops personalized, integrated approaches, including hormones, sleep recovery, nutrition, supplements, and exercise to help people perform at their highest level. So Dr. Turner, welcome to our podcast today. Thank you,
0: Chris. Really glad to be here. Looking forward to it.
1: It's interesting. You live in the state of Washington. That's correct? Yes. Okay. You're in the Tri-City area and I'm in Oklahoma. And uh, we go, how did we connect? So I was on Facebook several months ago and a common friend uh, posted that you had just kicked off a podcast. I think maybe May or June. Does that sound correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, And um, j- just a few things caught my attention, your 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 uh, holistic approach to medicine, to care of people's physical bodies, but their mental health, but their spiritual health as well. And uh, on your website, on the podcast, you talk about your, your faith in Christ, and I have the, the same faith, and that stirred me as well. And so I thought, I listened to a couple of your episodes, and I told my wife, I want to reach out to this guy. I think it would be great to have him on our podcast at some point. And we had just we had not even started ours, I don't think yet, but getting ready to. Mm. So that was also a motivator. You just started yours. We could start ours and get it off the ground. And so I'm thankful to have you today,
0: oh, great. So, yeah, real glad that we connected, Chris, and uh, excited for what you're doing here with your podcast and your whole mentoring program. I think it's fantastic.
1: so we are um we lead a nonprofit called Fahrenheit Real Life Mentoring. And uh, we um, we teach and train people how to mentor others holistically, and so I'll get into that a little bit later. But Dr. Turner, go ahead and and give us an introduction to yourself.
0: Sure, um, I can do a short introduction and then a bit of a longer introduction, perhaps where we can uh, talk about some different subjects that would come up. But the short introduction is: I work as an integrative medicine physician here in Washington State, and I grew up in California. Went to school without interest in being a doctor per se. That really didn't come about till I was in college, and so. Went to stanford studied human biology got interested in being a doctor took some time off between undergrad and med school actually and i was a school teacher for a few years then i went to medical school at harvard finished up started a family around that time and then went to the mayo clinic for my residency finished there and came out as i was recruited to work in a neuroscience center here in washington i worked there from 2009 to 2020 And then decided to go into business for myself i had had a holistic approach all along and i was always interested in subjects like supplements and exercise and positive mental attitude and sleep and all of that not to mention a big spiritual focus overlying everything that i was doing so i sort of outgrew my role at the neuroscience center here locally and i went into business for myself so since 2020 i run you could say a national concierge telemedicine practice focused around integrative medicine and helping people live in their best state of health and wellness
1: and have greatly enjoyed doing it. Okay, you said 2020. Did you start it right before COVID or dur- during the, the time of COVID, the beginning of it? It was right before. I didn't
0: know that COVID was going to happen, right? It was really God's timing. is quite interesting. So I formed my LLC and launched officially in January 2020. COVID had not yet hit to any measurable degree. And then a couple months later, it did. Which left me well positioned, actually, to respond to people's needs and be aggressive about treating them and think outside the box, including different kinds of medications like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Uh, we had the freedom to be prescribing those and to see a lot of lives changed. Absolutely, people kept out of the hospital and lives saved as well over these last couple of years.
1: Do you think that uh, with the the um, with COVID being present, that gave your your new practice a good boost?
0: It did, yes, because. First of all, many medical offices were closed and people weren't able to even get in to see a provider. And at that time I was doing a lot of in-person visits. So I was open for business, so to speak. because okay. so I was willing to help people. In that sense. Okay. And then furthermore, they just weren't getting answers for the most part. You know, if they called urgent care, the primary care and said they were sick with COVID, it was basically take some Tylenol, tough it out, unless your breathing deteriorates so greatly, then head to the ER. And there wasn't a lot of whole you know, middle ground there being offered to people. So they were starving for some information, for some at-home techniques uh, and maybe even non-medical options just to stimulate their immune system and fight the virus effectively. So I did quite a lot of that and I still do.
1: Okay. These are some of the reasons that I wanted to have a conversation with you. So when we talk about mentoring, we want to make it very practical and tangible. And it sounds like you do something similar with with medicine and nutrition and exercise. You make it very practical and tangible, would you say?
0: Yeah, I endeavor to. So I would say a key word for how I approach things would be integrative or holistic. Definitely, right? Because we're an integrated human being. And so we've got our spiritual life. We have our mental, emotional life. We have our physical life. And each one of those can be considered healthy or unhealthy in its own dimension. And they all work together and interact with each other mutually, right? So when I'm talking to a patient, I'm not just thinking, oh, they've got high blood pressure. You know, their arteries are too stiff. I'm thinking about what's the stress level in their life, you know, what's their exercise habits? What are their sleep habits? How do they cope with chronic stress or anxiety? Where are they at with God? How much peace do they really have in their life, right? Because all of that will affect your blood pressure. As far as what you said, making it tangible or practical, uh, I have a big emphasis on that because I was a school teacher. So Back to my education, between uh, my undergrad and my medical school, I took three years off on purpose. I was just tired of studying and taking tests, and I wanted to do something a little different. So I was a full-time classroom teacher for two of those years, something which I greatly enjoyed and I endeavor to bring forward in all my interactions. I try to think about how can I make this applicable, tangible, and motivating for the person to seize and take hold of for him or herself.
1: Well, you're taking words out of my mouth because when when we talk about mentoring, we're holistic as well. And so we are spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational, and professional people. And each of those areas have an impact on the other. And uh, so um, I'm going to give you an example. I hadn't thought about this until now. But several years ago, we had moved to Austria. And uh, we'd been there a few months. And everything had changed in our lives. Learning the German language, the culture was different. And I was so grateful to be there. We knew it was right. But it was a lot more challenging and stressful than I realized. And I used to brag about liking change. God held me accountable one day. And he says, Chris, you like change that you, that you initiate. You don't like change that's thrown upon you. There's a big difference. Mm. So what I discovered Mm. so much change was stressing me out. And I don't remember ever having a high blood pressure issue. I'd taken care of myself for many years. Uh, I ate pretty well. I uh, did fitness training at least three times a week. And, um, I, I appreciate the holistic approach. But we were visiting um we were at a conference in the in the um the mountains of Bavaria there in Germany. High altitude. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of great coffee that was flowing throughout the day. I'm drinking a lot of coffee, not realizing how much I'm drinking. Ongoing stress from months built up. The learning the German language mm-hmm. was stressing me out a lot more than I realized. Anyway, so I'm um, in this conference with my my wife, and um I felt myself feeling closed in and like I couldn't breathe. Well, what was happening? My, my blood pressure was rising and my pulse rate was rising. I had no experience with that. So I walked out to the lobby and I literally thought I was going to die. At one point I walked outside and I could barely breathe and I was taking as Mm -hmm. deep as breaths as I could. And I remember looking up at the the sky and going, God, I don't want to die. I've got a, a wife and three young daughters. And, um, I, the conference was over. The service was, my wife comes out to the lobby and I basically said, I need medical attention now. So I'll tell you that story because, so I had to spend about three days in a German hospital. Now imagine this, that added to my stress because I didn't speak much German at that point. And most of the dialogue was in German about my health. So fast forward, we get back to Austria and I go see a professional uh, doctor who focuses on blood pressure. I paid about three, maybe 400 euro. That's probably close to $500 for a visit. And he ups my medicine. I'd never been on this kind of medicine before. And I asked him, I said, doctor, is anything else I can do naturally to help bring my blood pressure back to normal? And he looked at me and said, I have no idea what to tell you. You might jog. And I was so discouraged and frustrated, but frustrated enough that it actually motivated me to do my own research. So I would have appreciated and needed a doctor like you, really, the way you're describing it at that time.
0: Wow, what a story, Chris! Yeah, just what we were talking about there—the blood pressure. Yes, yeah, there's a lot that can be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that can be done uh, for a situation like that. Everything from eating more green vegetables to you know magnesium to uh, arginine powder, which helps create nitric oxide and relax blood vessels. Of course, certain kinds of cardio will also condition your cardiovascular system, sauna, right? When you have to dilate your blood vessels to sweat in a sauna, that helps them stay pliable and responsive, which are key concepts. So yeah, there's a whole lot that can be done as in that example. And obviously talking about stress, sounds like you had sort of an anxiety attack, kind of an acute stress response at that moment, which gets into breathing techniques and mind-body techniques that are helpful to calm a person down. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that, that was a a one experience I had that fortunately I was um, I tend to be assertive and intentional with my health. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. so
1: I began to do some research called a friend who was a nutrition uh, guy at the time, and I was able to bring Mm -hmm. it down to normal um, over, over a few months, you know? And so, but you made me think of that. So one of the questions I have for you is this, so I believe this, but how would you say our physical health, impacts us in other areas of our lives example would be mentally mentally emotionally spiritually relationally any of those what do you think because i believe it does hugely
0: yeah absolutely let's let's talk about mentally for example if you do exercise it makes you demonstrably smarter in the several hours afterwards your iq goes up immediately in the several hours after exercise. This has been shown. You're telling me I should exercise every day. (laughs) How smart do you want to be? (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, this is well known. They've done studies where they'll take, for example, uh, people, they'll show them random names and faces. Okay. And it's a recall test of their memory. And then they'll have half the group sit in an easy chair and watch TV. And the other half will ride an exercise bike for 15 minutes. Then they go back and retest them. Guess who does better? Statistically, significantly better. Those people who exercise.
1: That's excellent.
0: Yes, it is. And this has been shown in many different studies, many different ways. Yes. The reason is thought to be due to two factors. Number one, increased blood flow to the brain. So think about blood flow to the brain like a dimmer switch on a light. Okay. Right? Uh, You want that dimmer switch pegged all the way up top. When you exercise, you're obviously creating blood flow to all parts of your body. But what people don't realize is you're actually increasing blood flow rate to your brain as well. So the dimmer switch is now up fully. Your brain is actually firing on all cylinders and and fully alert and getting all the oxygen and glucose that it would need to function. The other thing that happens is there's a molecule called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Phenomenal little molecule, but that molecule powerfully stimulates areas of the brain related to learning and memory. BDNF is secreted much uh, in, in greater quantities right after a bout of exercise. This has also been shown. So it raises BDNF levels in the brain that is exactly tied into function of IQ and memory and so forth.
1: So this makes sense then. This has happened to me numerous times. I'm at home or finishing work and I want I need to go to the gym and work out. I want to, but I'm so tired or I'm not motivated that day. And if I can motivate myself mm-hmm. just to get there, And I I start exercising Mm -hmm. within minutes. I believe it's in minutes. My perspective is Mm -hmm. different. And Mm -hmm. I've walked into the gym before to work out, totally unmotivated, maybe feeling depressed or discouraged. And after an Mm -hmm. hour of exercise, I've left there believing there's hope for tomorrow. That sounds kind of (laughs) crazy, but I've seen that happen. Indeed.
0: Yes. Exercise is known to elevate mood. For example, you know, there's the, the colloquial phrase, a runner's high right? What is a runner's high? That's a real phenomenon. You go for that run, you come back, you feel good. You know, your blood's flowing, you're breathing hard, you feel alive. There's a certain high feeling that you get, which is why people who run consistently, it's very addictive for them. Actually, if you ask them about it, it's like they they don't want to take time off, you know, they'll be hurt and they'll go out for their run because that runner's high is so notable. And on the scientific side, we know that it increases neurotransmitter levels related to a sense of well-being and pleasure like serotonin, norepinephrine, even dopamine. So okay. getting exercise directly modulates levels of neurotransmitters in your brain related to mood consistently.
1: Okay. I, I believe that. I, I, I don't know how to describe it like you do, obviously, because that's not my background, but I believe that. And um, okay. How would you say physical health impacts someone? Um, let's say relationally, because I can say this, well, it's my life and I can do what I want to because it doesn't impact anybody else. Well, that's just not, it's just not how life works. Do you follow me on that? question? I would think
0: of it. I would put it in a slightly larger context. Even I put it in the context of being all you can be for God, right? Being all you can be for God. So the first and greatest commandment is to love God with everything we have our heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can do that by yourself. But the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. So there we have relational component. And let's just be specific. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Well, in the Old Testament, there were all these laws to help explain that idea. And they were very valid and very instructive. You know, I love some of the laws like leave your field unplowed, you know, don't go over it a second time so that poor people can go and gather and harvest and have enough to be provided for, right? That's a beautiful example of a practical method that we can show love to people. So here we are commanded to show love to others. Now, how do we do that? This is where your physical frame comes into being, right? Because you can't love people in some abstract way that doesn't involve your physical body, actually. It's impossible, right? If you're going to love someone, you're going to have to give them a hug. Um, if you're going to love someone, you're going to have to go volunteer at the soup kitchen. If you're going to love someone, you're going to have to go work your job to have enough money to donate to their ministry or to pay their bills or to get their car fixed or to pay for you know, daycare for that single mom right? And if you want to love someone and go on a missions trip to Mexico and build an orphanage, your physical body is going to have to put out energy and work and go get it done. So we live in bodies, we're embodied, and God did that on purpose. And our job is to reach other physical people with bodies, with the love of Jesus, right? And another way to think about that is we are the actual hands and feet of Christ, right? So we, we have a physical body that needs to go out and have strength to interact in the world to minister to people. Again, the parable of the Good Samaritan is very instructive. You know, that guy stopped, picked him up off the side of the road, went, took care of him. There was physicality involved in all that. In fact, moreover, it's emphasized because you have, like in the book of James, for example, saying, hey, if somebody doesn't have enough basic food and clothing and you just say, hey, I'll pray for you, go be blessed. What love is that? Where's your heart? right? You, you've got to be actually physically meeting their needs, right? Like go plant something and give it to them or go home and take the sh- something out of your closet and go give it to them, right? Or work an extra shift to go have a little more money to go give it to them. So again, the embodied sort of spiritual platitudes about how we love other people, they fall short in God's mind. He wants us to actually be interacting and getting it done in three-dimensional space. And that requires a certain measure of health.
1: We could, in this podcast right now, that's you just gave me so much right there. Uh, So much. Thank you for that. That's, that's incredible. I, I thought about this as well with with, uh, our physical health when I don't feel well or when I haven't taken care of myself. So I have a wife and three adult daughters now and now a son-in-law, but I believe my physical health, if I don't take care of myself, has an impact on them as well. When I don't feel well, and I, I know disease happens, injuries take place, but I'm thinking about what am I capable of? What can I do to steward my own body and my own health? And the healthier I remain, the stronger I remain, I directly impact my family. If, I, if I'm if i not yes. doing well, it affects my, my perspective. I'm not as social. I won't. Well, just physical things I can't do as much. Absolutely.
0: So, yeah. If you're tired, if you've got no energy at the end of the day, because of some health problem that you haven't addressed or simply just lack of exercise and neglect of a good diet for example if you got no energy at the end of the day right that's energy for your wife that you don't have in the evening or energy to play with the kids that you don't have or the grandkids right or the grandkids want you to go to the soccer game but you know your back hurts too much because you've got a 50 pound belly that you're carrying around that you don't need to and now you got back problems right so having that energy and actually your mood as well right if you're in pain tired, debilitating, just kind of not feeling like yourself. Your mood is also down. And mood's extremely contagious, as you may know. Uh, extraordinarily contagious. So again, to be at your best self physically brings that mood right along with it. You're kind of looking good, feeling good, and you just feel that sense of edge and well-being mentally.
1: And I don't want it's listeners contagious. to to feel like we're putting shame and guilt on them. That's not who we are. But our physical health does impact relationships. It just does. I, I'm I, I'm not isolated, and so I, I want to care. Mm. I want people to hear that and care about that. That not only is physical health good and and it impacts you personally, but it impacts the people you really love as well. And that we would care Absolutely. and take care of ourselves. And so, yeah. like a, a doctor like you, uh, I would say I'm mentoring a guy, and he had mm. some challenges. Then I would refer him to a guy like you, Doctor Turner, to say, okay, look. You're doing well in these other areas, but let's say physically, it's impact, impacting your relationships or your mental. And so let's let's get some help for you. And that's where I'd refer a guy that I'm mentoring to a doctor like you
0: mm-hmm.
1: and give him hope. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I'd be glad to help. I had a, something further to build on what you were saying there. Um, two, two thoughts came to mind, Chris, to share. Okay. So one would be um, our motivation, right? So we talk about our motivation. Why should we get healthy physically? There's our motivation to be all we can be for God, which involves serving others, loving them in tangible ways, as we discussed, having enough attitude, and enough physical strength to go out there and and be loving to people. Another motivation I want to just clue you in on, which is very profound for me, is appreciation or gratitude, right? Simple gratitude for the miracle of life. This is really astonishing and the more you get the privilege of being within the health professions, the more understanding you have, the greater the magnitude of gratitude is that, that you begin to experience. But I'll just use the example of your heart, okay?
1: Okay. Heart.
0: We know that if your heart's not beating, catastrophic consequences will occur. Right. If there's okay. one irregular electrical rhythm for even several seconds, you'll collapse on the floor. If there's one small blood clot that forms, you'll collapse on the floor and it's curtains. So your heart is just there in the background, silently doing its job, lub dub, lub dub, lub dub, 60, 70 times every minute, 24 seven, no days off. It can't take a day off. It can't take an hour off. It can't take a minute off, or you are dead. So your heart is faithfully serving you. You don't have to think about it, right? You don't have to constantly sit there and remind your heart to stay, keep beating, right? You fall asleep, you can sleep faithfully because God's got that system in place. Your brainstem, your subconscious mind is going to take care of all that stuff. Your heart's going to run in the background. You can wake up and open those eyes the next morning. You didn't have to think about keeping your heart going at night. Amazing. Praise the Lord, right? The heart is one of the first organs that form. So again, think about you're building out a human. You've got this embryo that's developing. What okay. do you build first? Do you build lungs first? Do you build a brain first? Do you build kidneys first? Like what, what comes first, second, third in this amazing engineering feat in which you go from one cell, which is the egg, which is one of the biggest cells. That's the size of a period at the end of a sentence, by the way, that's the size of a woman's egg. Sperm is thousands of times smaller than that. You go from something like that to nine months later, something with (laughs) trillions of cells that's a fully formed baby. That's an extraordinary engineering feat, right? Well, one of the things that forms first is a heart. So you actually have a rudimentary beating heart at around 28 days from conception, even before you have a fully formed brain or eyes or any other internal organs. It's one of the first things that forms. So from day 28 of your conception, this thing has been beating in the background under God's control and divine wisdom keeping you going. And if it failed for even a split second or two, there would be no life, right? That's amazing. Now, are we thankful for that? I am. The more I understood that, the more I said, wow, Lord, thank you for my heart. Let's just start there. You know, oh, well, how much gratitude do I really show to my heart? Do I, for example, exercise to keep my heart healthy? Do I do things that are conducive to heart health? Or do I run it, into the ground by smoking or letting my blood pressure get out of control or letting my blood sugar get out of control or just totally neglecting cardio exercise etc how much gratitude and appreciation do we give for this greatest physiologic instrument that God's blessed you with that enables every second every good memory you've had is because this thing's keeping you alive in the background right how much actual gratitude do we show God in taking care of that thing that he gave us
1: I have no concept of that left to myself until A professional like you uh puts the truth in front of me i don't think of it that way i haven't to be grateful for the heart and there and then again being practical so how do i best take care of that heart because it it runs everything else we we have a, a, a we have a really good friend that passed away suddenly about almost three months ago my wife's best friend uh she was 64 I think. And, uh, she was at an outdoor baptism for a granddaughter and, um, she had, uh, told her one of her sons, I don't feel that well. And she collapsed mm-hmm. and that was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, uh, and how, what happened, you know, we don't know for sure. Um, they said her heart was in good condition overall, but she had dealt with a lot of stress over the last few years and had, had to take care of a lot of other people um so uh those kind of things do happen and it's been tragic for our family because uh she's like a family member for us so
0: yeah
1: yeah I want to yeah. talk about uh family and I appreciate how you just jump in and say well Chris let's talk about this but let's talk about family background and her uh heredity um so one of the things that i've heard sometimes and i used to uh, kind of say this about our family my my not my wife and daughters but my original family because i grew up in a dysfunctional home um and here's a statement well that's that's just how we are in our family we don't do that or this is what we do or that that's just how it is and it's kind of a kind of a a hat put on you and said this is just who the elliges are and i i don't believe that at all Mm -hmm. Um, so speaking of that for me, if you, if you could, if I, if I explained it clearly, clearly enough.
0: Sure. Yeah, you did. I think the antidote ultimately to that is a process and it's a process of replacing those beliefs that were just sort of granted to us and handed to us with the truth as it comes from God. Right. And another way of saying that is renewing our minds, yes, right? Being transformed by the renewing of our minds, like the Bible talks about. And that's a process and it's ongoing. You know, we never should be stopping that process. We always want to fully develop that mind of Christ so that we can see things and think through them from God's perspective. So let's just take health and think through it from God's perspective. You know, um, one of the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 139, says, you know, I praise you, Lord, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay. Right. And it talks about God's oversight, knitting together um, the psalmist in his mother's womb. Right. So. Whatever was told to you about health, and maybe that you know you're you're ugly, or you know you're misshapen, or it's not important to take care of your physical body, like whatever else, we we cast that aside, and we need to renew our minds a little bit and understand. God said, "I'm fearfully and wonderfully made." Yes. Right. So there was intelligence, there was wisdom. There's a there's wonder that goes on in what God did to give you your physical body. Um, So much so that it should invoke a sense of awe and godly fear and respect and reverence. That's how God-fashioned and formed us. So we begin to renew our minds, essentially, I think is the story there, Chris, and put on um, some of those new concepts that that God has to say about it.
1: Let me ask you about, uh, because I think about uh, being overweight. In some families where the parents are overweight, the 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 children who become adult children they're overweight maybe not everyone but it seems to be a a pattern um, do you think is that sometimes just how it is or is that a learned behavior and we just we follow into that we fall into those those um, those categories sometimes how do you speak to that good
0: point it's it's it can be a mix right it can be a mix it can be all the way on a spectrum of one side greatly predominating to all the way to the other side okay. So we have to approach anything that's easily changeable there, take as much ownership for the process as we can, right? If parents include, you know, encourage us to be drinking soda all the time, and we saw them sitting down and eating ice cream, you know, on the couch as they watch TV every night, you know, we have to repent of those behaviors, let's just say vis-a-vis our weight. Now, on that side, if, if people are really dialed in with the lifestyle and they're still struggling with that, there are genetic contributors to being overweight, for example okay. This typically has to do with hormone it typically has to do with hormone balance so if your thyroid hormone is off for example um, there are other hormones leptin insulin these things all powerfully affect your weight so at that point it's a question of medical attention and it's a question of putting out the work a little bit and getting in touch with a medical professional and trying to sort that out
1: okay all right I I would that would you say that seems to be um, a major issue for a lot of people and something that that wears on their self-confidence? is the weight issue? Yeah, it is.
0: It is. It's a major issue. I mean, think about this, Chris, what if you just went and asked someone, are you comfortable with your weight? What if you asked 10 Americans, what answer are you getting? What if you asked 100? I'm going don't, to, I don't know the answer exactly. I would hazard to say, if you ask 100 people, you'll probably get 85 people say, I'm not happy with my weight. Okay. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm just guessing. So.
1: Mm-hmm. It was one of your podcasts, I believe. I think the first few podcast uh, episodes that we appreciated so much, you said, uh, you might relate to me if, right? And so my wife and I had already had already produced about three or four episodes of ours. And then we're listening to your podcast episodes, those very ones on a trip to Indiana this past summer. And we're like, man, I wish I had thought about that. So we went back. We We didn't move the episodes around, but we said, hey, we wish we'd done this. Listen to a podcast recently, and he did this. You might relate to me, if. and one of the things you said, you I think you battled with your weight as a young boy. Yes. Do you, yes, okay, absolutely. Do you, did that come from your, was it chemical? Was it family dynamic? Was it lifestyle? What was it? Was it a mix? And how did you move beyond that? Because you're incredibly fit today, because I've seen one of your videos, um, and there's no way I can do that. <laughs> what you do in the video. So speaking of that, if you would.
0: Sure. In my case, <clears throat> a, little a little bit little of genetics bit on, on the maternal the, side towards being chubby and towards having bad cholesterol levels. Okay. Uh, but it was mainly lifestyle. When I was young, I had I, I loved cereal. And so I had this habit of just going and snacking, eating cereal whenever I want, including late at night, right? So I might finish my homework, go out at 9 p.m. My mom's not even around necessarily. I hit the fridge, grab some milk, grab some Honey Nut Cheerios have a big bowl of that right well honey nut cheers are full of sugar milk itself (laughs) is actually full of sugar If you read the label sugar milk's got more sugar than protein in it your typical milk if you just look at the label it'll it'll say one cup serving size it'll say something like eight grams of protein and it'll say 12 grams of sugar Okay. okay so yes white milk unflavored is still high high sugar content so in any case um you know, eating burritos and frozen food dinners and snacking on candy bars when I was at school, et cetera. So it was it was 85%, let's say, lifestyle factors. Okay. And I got jolted actually when I took a health class my sophomore year of high school. And they had us write down everything that we ate in a day and actually look at labels, how many grams of sugar, how many grams of fat, right? That was really eye-opening for me when I actually did the math and said, wow, I ate this many calories and this much sugar and this much fat. Uh, perhaps no wonder I'm chubby than all the other kids and feeling self-conscious. And so I'm going to make some changes, you know? So I cut that stuff out. I lost the chocolate milks at recess. I got rid of the Snickers bars at recess. I got rid of the Honey Nut Cheerios late at night. I started running. Uh, I just went outside and started running up and down the hills near my house and uh, really started to develop myself in that sense to say, you know what? I want to be somebody different than this right now.
1: Okay. Uh, Was that difficult to make that transition? Because you did it, but it seems like... Mm -hmm. And was it like a yo-yo for you? Did you go back up and down, or did you? Was it a a lifestyle change, and you went forward from then on, without being legalistic?
0: Sure, any process of behavior change is a bit of an up and down process, right? I would liken it to somebody climbing a mountain. Okay, there's going to be sometimes two steps forward and one step back. You're going to slip, or the road might drift downwards a little bit before it goes back up, right? It's it's usually almost never even one unimpeded step after another towards perfect success. So there's ups and downs, but the key is a couple things. You got to never lose sight of your goal and you got to become resilient. And you have to have patience with yourself, actually. True understanding and sympathy with yourself, which most importantly would come from God and understanding how God looks at you, right? He says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he says, you're fully accepted in Christ. And I love you and I'm unconditionally committed to you. So whether you're overweight or underweight, that doesn't change. How I feel about you and the importance and destiny that I can call you to go do. So it you, you end up developing and cultivating, which we could talk more about. But the idea of being resilient and patient with yourself, people actually who are too harsh on themselves and say, Oh, I gotta lose this weight. Every time I look in the mirror, you know, I, I hate how I feel. And they use very harsh and judgmental negative terms when they think about themselves and sort of try to browbeat themselves towards change. That's the worst. That's not sustainable. And as soon as you fail on your expectations, you just sort of double down in shame and regret and disappointment and that's never sustainable so we can talk more about that if you want it but
1: well yeah. I mean this fits into what we do as mentors you know uh I'm on a, I'm on a journey with a guy uh that I'm mentoring and he's looking at his physical health and maybe some challenges he's dealing with and he beats mm-hmm. him himself up maybe for falling you know behind on his goals and as a mentor I can remind him who he is his true identity uh with as his if if he knows Christ uh, that he would know who really he really is and say, now, yeah, you do need to quit eating the candy bars, but I'm not walking away from you. Let's, let's move forward here. And so I find that mm-hmm. I need it as well. Sometimes I need somewhat another man, for instance, to remind me of who I am to remind me of my goal and say, yeah, you blew it there. Let's get up and move forward. And so, um, yes. yeah, I appreciate you saying that.
0: We need that. I use the metaphor of a day right? We only get to live life one day at a time. Okay. That's it. That's the only way we live life. We've got one day at a time that we get to live. And you know, what's interesting, Chris, today is a is a new day. When I got up this morning, God caused the sun to rise all over again, right? He kept the balance of the atmosphere and the perfect ratio that so we could have health and have something to breathe. He brought the birds out to sing like he renewed life on the face of the earth again for another day. You know, isn't that amazing? And And I'm so thankful this concept of one day at a time is actually extremely important as regards behavior change because many times we drag the past forward. It's like this ball and chain. We just drag it forward into today and we need not do that, right? So we get up today and I might say, oh, I'm upset. I'm down on myself because I didn't work out yesterday. And so now I, I blew it and you know, I'm already in a negative state of mind. I'm just going to eat some chips and just skip the gym again, <laughs> right? And yeah. then we're going to wake up Right. And then we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to feel the same exact way. So we're dragging all these failures along with us and we're dragging excuses and we're dragging, you know, self-doubt and we're dragging being overly critical and judgmental. We're dragging all that stuff with us. And actually what helps most is, is to learn how to basically turn over a new leaf every day and sort of say, you know what? I may not have made great healthy choices yesterday, but that's okay because God's given me another day. Today is a new day. Today I'll have a chance to make some better decisions with God's help, I will do it. The best image I would use is, a, is the image of recovery from substances. Let's say okay. you had a friend who was clean and sober for years, doing really well. Okay. had a little medal from Alcoholics Anonymous for, you know, sobriety and this and that. And one day they relapse. And then the next morning you meet them for coffee. The, the question is, how do you want them to feel about themselves? And how are you going to talk to them, right? And if the person is feeling in the dumps, which is likely, and down and negative, right? What you're going to tell them, what instinctively will come out of you is like, hey, look, buddy, this is all right. You know, this is just one day. It was one slip up. This does not define you. You just went 10 years sober, okay? okay? This is a new day. Let's just wrap that up and leave that in history. And you had 10 great years and one off day. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today can be the first day of your next 10 years of sobriety. So let's get after it.
1: You mentioned this earlier. You mentioned this earlier. Mm -hmm. One of the things I so appreciate about my relationship with God is that, God, thank you that you offer me a new beginning every day. Because uh, here's a misconception people will have about a guy like me who's a mentor. That we don't have, I don't have any problems. I've got it all figured out. And it's just not true. Chances are, people will look at you, men specifically would say, uh, Dr. Turner has it all together. Maybe he had some struggles in the past. He had weight issues, other stuff. But he's Mm -hmm. come through that. He's great to go now. And it's a piece of Mm -hmm. cake for, no pun intended, it's a piece of cake for this guy. But it's not, right? Mm
0: No, it's not. I have to do the work every day. I, I have a tough day at work. I'm running a business. I'm being a doctor. I'm solving other people's problems, right? I've got to deal with taxes and lawyers and, you know, CPAs and advertising budgets and employees and payroll and HR issues and all of that stuff, just like so many men can understand. And, you know, I come home at the end of the day. There's a part of me that says, oh, I just want to go eat some comfort food. You know, like who wouldn't want to pull out some ice cream right now? you know who wouldn't want to go out and just have a bowl or two of honey nut cheerios right? <laughs> so i have to I, I have to rein myself in mentally and go no you know there are healthier ways to deal with this um let let me pursue that you know so it's these are decisions i have to continue to make every day and sometimes i fall down still but i've gotten good about picking myself back up right i've gotten good about that one living one day at a time and saying, you know what, God, thank you for today. It's a fresh day. I kind of like that saying, you know, a righteous man may fall a thousand times, but like he gets up again. There's some, some proverb essentially in that same vein. And there we have it. God's hoping the best for us. His mercies are new every morning. He's always ready to work for us in our best interests. And we just have to get on board with it. Our past failures are mean nothing to God.
1: This is not a question that I, I gave you ahead of time, but Mm -hmm. has there been a man in your life that has helped you further along in your journey? That is really, you, you think back and go, you know what, that man, God used that man to help me, not just in my career, but maybe emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Does anyone come to mind? Three of them. You want me to
0: talk about just one?
1: Sure. And have you ever been, would you say you've been mentored, deliberately mentored?
0: Yes. Oh yes. Still
1: Talk about that if you would.
0: Well, from the broad perspective, I would say I'm still being mentored and that's important. And if I weren't, I would go seek it out because again, think about this as a process and not a destination, right? So be godliness and holiness and becoming more like Christ and growing up into maturity and all that is a process that never ends. And so we have to just adopt that growth mindset. It's not like, Oh, have we have I arrived? Yes, I have. Oh, I'm done. You know, it's like, no, um today what's necessary for growth and development so i know what's necessary for growth and development is to be having other men specifically speaking into my life challenging me otherwise i can't move ahead or to put it in athletic terms you want that coach who's pushing you right who can identify where you need to change where your shortcomings are so you can continue to move ahead so i, I welcome that and typically guys sometimes we have barriers of pride or uh status quo inertia Right. And, and we don't we don't welcome that. But I've learned to welcome that because it's necessary for ongoing growth and development. But the first mentor I had was in college, um, an African-American preacher from Georgia named Floyd Tompkins. And I went to Stanford University, which is out in the Bay Area, as you may know, the heart of Silicon okay. Valley. And so he was a bit of an anomaly, but he was actually there as a campus minister. This was in the late 90s. Okay. And he was amazing. He was amazing. What I learned from him was respect for the God of the Old Testament, for Yahweh, for really coming into that understanding. He was really big on Hebrew. He was big on the Old Testament. He was big on the the power and the presence of God, you know, and that gets into the supernatural and it gets into, uh, you know, just the miracle working presence of God. You know, when Moses strikes the sea with his staff, you know, seeing that thing open up. Under Yahweh's power and understanding that that same God who did all of these miracles in the Old Testament uh, of Yahweh, miracles of judgment and salvation and everything that was extraordinary, is still at work in our lives today. And there's a certain respect and reverence and awe that we should have for that. So I learned to appreciate the Old Testament and really come face to face with Yahweh and or God the Father, as we would say, and, and appreciate that. The second mentor I had was in medical school, a gentleman named Bill Pearson. He was phenomenal, and he helped teach and really hone in on the importance of community. That's the big lesson I took away from medical school, the importance of community, that Christian life's not meant to be lived alone. We're bought into a body. We have gifts. We need to be sharpening others. We need to be ministering to them with our gifts, like it talks about in Ephesians, right? He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men, and then it talks about these gifts that God has given, and some are called to be pastors and apostles and teachers, and there are many spiritual gifts, mentioned there and other places but the point is you were giving gifts because this is a team sport and your ultimate objective is not just to get yourself as right with god as possible you're supposed to help others do the same and god's giving you certain gifts to do that so we need others i need other people to use their gifts on me to help me grow and change into maturity as it talks about in ephesians and i need to be doing the same for others or I'm 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 being neglectful so i learned that being in community is is vital And at that point, it became unacceptable for me to just go through my week and say, yeah, I read my Bible. Yeah, I prayed. Yeah, I listened to some worship music. And yeah, I went to church on Sunday. That paradigm right there became unacceptable. It also had to become, I met with so-and-so. I met with some certain people and I had honest conversations in which we interacted towards mutual spiritual growth and development. That is absolutely necessary. That was my big takeaway. And, And my third one is my ongoing uh, mentoring relationship, a gentleman named Neil Gamble, who's here in uh, Washington State. He's been amazing. And he has really helped me along the lines of um, intimacy with God would be the word. It would also be uh, the Holy Spirit. It would be sort of the presence of God. If you talk about like a Brother Lawrence concept, practicing the presence of God, for example, that type of thing. Because in my Christian life up to that point, I was very strong on the Bible. I was very strong on systematic theology. I was very strong on doing things. I was weak on ideas of like just sitting, you know, and abiding with the Holy Spirit and listening and prayer and meditation and contemplation and patience. I was more someone who would just want to go out and aggressively do something like a Peter rather than sit back (laughs) and listen to God and let him guide me. Right. And so, you know, the idea of Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That that needed like five underlines and five exclamation points for me because I was heavy on leaning on my own understanding and light on actually taking things to God in prayer and being patient until I got an answer and that type of thing. So that's been really helpful for me.
1: I appreciate how quickly those men's names came to your mind because I didn't I didn't give you that question ahead of time and they have obviously impacted you and one of the things that we want people to understand with mentoring um, not only can you impact that person that you're mentoring, but you can impact if they're married, their husband or wife, their children. It, it's it's not, it's more than just a trickle down effect. I, it, I'm just amazed at, at the power of, of godly mentoring. When I look at a man and I choose to walk with him holistically, and we're going to talk about everything mm-hmm. under the sun and shame and guilt mm-hmm. are never allowed. But accountability is confidentiality is uh, a, a critical there, but he knows of all the people on the planet, this man knows me and cares for me, no matter what I do. And uh, so I appreciate how quickly those three men's names came to your mind. Yeah, so um let's uh, I mean I could, we could talk so much more, but um let me let me uh, start closing by by um asking you, how do people get in contact with you? And uh, do you do Zoom consultations? Because you're in the state of yeah,
0: Washington. So I, yeah, so I do Zoom consultations. By I do phone call or Zoom consultations all over the country. Okay, actually, every day I was on the phone today with someone from Florida, you know, Michigan, etc. All over the country, and even internationally on occasions, I've done that. So I welcome people to do that. Uh, you can find me online, MichaelTurnerMD.com. It's all okay. one word: Michael Turner. M I C H A E L. Uh, TurnerMD.com. The other option I would encourage people to look at uh, would be my Substack platform. So, Substack is a place where I can publish podcasts and blogs. And that's, I think, helpful for a lot of people because they may not need to see me in person, right? Okay. Or the schedule may not allow it, or their finances might not allow it, but they can still be in touch with me on Substack and be getting, uh, to my mind what are some of my best suggestions about living your best life you know health okay. and wellness from an integrated perspective from a spiritual perspective so i'm on substack dr turner dr turner dr Okay. and there's access to all sorts of reference and articles there
1: and we'll we'll include uh, some of your information on the on our podcast itself the text part and so uh, anything else any other thoughts you have before we close because i could talk to you all day do. honestly
0: Sure. Likewise, this is great. I would just leave uh, people on a note of optimism and a sense of their own agency, you know, in this matter that there's uh, every day is a new day and you're going to be able to make some decisions today with God's help that are going to be conducive towards health. And you can make some decisions today that as soon as 24 hours from now demonstrably affect your health and well-being. Let's just talk about sleep, right? If you make a decision today to go to bed on time, not watch you know, stressful news shows right before you sleep, not drink alcohol right before you sleep, tomorrow you're going to wake up with a stronger immune system, more physical energy, and a more alert mind and mood than if you had stayed up till midnight you know, and fell asleep on the couch watching Tube with uh, some Ben and Jerry's in your hand or something <laughs> like that. So, it, it, you know, as immediate as the next day, you can, you can make a change. And so there's a tremendous amount of agency that God's given for us. And that's, that's optimistic means we don't have to be victims means we can change our destiny.
1: Well, I appreciate how, how tangible you make things, how intentional your, your direction is, because I'm, I'm all about that. So um, I want to thank you for that. Well, guys, we want to thank you for listening to the Real Life Mentoring Podcast. And if you would consider liking and And following our podcast, we'd appreciate that. If you decide you want to donate to the podcast, you can go to FahrenheitMentoring.org. So with that said, we thank you for listening today. We want to thank you as always for listening.
0: If today was helpful, if something that you listened to was helpful, we would really love it if you would go to Apple or Spotify, leave us a review, download, subscribe. And for all things related to podcast, if you'd like to give a financial contribution to help us continuing bringing this sort of broadcasting to you, just go to FahrenheitMentoring.org. Hi, this is Chris Corral, producer of the Fahrenheit Real Life Mentoring Podcast. This podcast is produced through a partnership with the Confetti Corral Boutique and Michelle Corral Realtor. To find out more about these businesses who support our vision and ministry, go to ConfettiCorral.com or find them on Facebook.